And we're back on the KYMM Morning Show. Joining us now in our studios is uh, Superintendent of Schools, the reigning champion of superintendents <laughs> in Minnesota. We have Matt Hillman. Superintendent Hillman, congratulations upon winning. We talked to you the other day after you won the uh, uh, the uh, Superintendent of the Year Award for uh, Minnesota. That's got to be uh, a humbling experience and uh, gratifying as well. Yeah, you know, Jeff, it's very meaningful. You know, obviously, uh the Minnesota Association of School Administrators, that organization, my professional organization, has played a significant role in my leadership development. I've really appreciated the support that they give superintendents in Minnesota. So to be recognized by your peers is uh, always something that is very meaningful. And uh, But the truth is that um, I've got a really great gig. Uh, I get to do this really important work here uh, with a great community who supports education, who has high expectations and and demands, I mean, using demand in a, in a very good way that we deliver uh, for kids, a group of people who come together to focus on kids. We have an amazing all-star staff of people who serve kids every day. Uh, we have a wonderful school board that sets the direction and holds us accountable. Uh, it really is just an idyllic place to, to get to do this work. So thanks to everybody in the community for uh, their support. And again, it's meaningful, and I very much appreciate it. And as you know me, I'm, I take, take the moment to say thank you and to, to be grateful for it. And then we say what's next and we have to keep moving forward. So I appreciate uh, everyone. People have been very generous. I've got a lot of congratulatory messages and just thank people for that. That's very meaningful as well. Now, one thing that's been in the news here lately, it's in the headlines today, and that's about the test scores yeah. statewide that really slid with uh, the pandemic and with uh, what we had, I guess, distance learning or off-campus learning at that time, uh, which probably can be expected. Now, in the uh, uh, the press release that we got uh, announcing that uh, you were the superintendent of the year, uh, they did say the Northfield slide was much better than the rest of the state, that Northfield fared better than most, but... That's still probably something you could see coming, and that's that's a tough issue to overcome. It, it is a very difficult circumstance, and, and the report that you're referencing is the the National Association of Educational Progress. I think that's the acronym, the NAEP mm-hmm. report, N-A-E-P, and that just doesn't show just in Minnesota. That shows nationwide, yeah. uh, and that's really the, the headline that you re- saw is around eighth grade uh, assessments, and so across the whole nation and I would venture to say probably across the whole globe, uh, students did perform uh, worse on I can nearly every standardized measure. And of course, that makes sense. Uh, we have been through uh, the most significant global health emergency in 100 years. So there are a lot of people who are worried about a lot of other things uh, in terms of uh, just how the pandemic impacted people in a whole variety of ways. So we use that as the context but we own our results, right? And so you're, you're correct. Our analysis of the Minnesota data shows that overall, the the report you referenced focuses on eighth grade, um, and this is this is fairly analogous to all of the Northfield School um, results. But when we look at all of the results for the Northfield School District from the most recent MCA, uh, we performed in the top 85% in the state in reading, and we performed in the top. Uh, 10%, so top 15, we performed in the top 15% in reading, meaning we outperformed 85% of the other school districts, and we performed in the top 10% in mathematics, outpacing 90% uh, of the rest of the school districts. Now, that state context is important, uh, 
but we have a new reality, right? We have a new baseline uh, to where we're at. And so uh, we can certainly look backwards and, and try to figure out what we can learn uh, from this uh, historic event um, when we can wallow in that. Or we can say, what's next? And we can move forward. So we know where we're at. We've got very clear data about where we're at academically. We're working to get clear data about where our students are from a social emotional perspective, because this global health emergency, the pandemic clearly affects people in a variety of different ways. People have experienced all sorts of loss. What are the supports that we need to help folks with that? Because we all know that um, if you follow Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you don't feel safe, if you don't have some of those basic core human things in place, then actualizing to academic um, expectations is a little bit more difficult. So we have to support the whole child with a focus on how do we continue to accelerate uh, that academic um, progress. Several things I could share. I'll share one. We have, I think, around between 50 and 60 teachers who are going through a very rigorous literacy training called Letters. It's called the Language Essentials for Teachers of Reading and Spelling. And this is rooted in the science of reading. Uh, uh, brain researchers have really learned what is the key to unlocking the brain's ability to read? We know the ability to read is the gateway to a lot of other success. And so this training, it's not its not like you go to a workshop, two hours, it's 140 hours of training, Jeff. And we have, I think, between 50 and 60 staff members who are taking that right now. So those are the kinds of things, using the latest research, taking advantage of those latest strategies to help students accelerate their performance. Another uh, piece that I will share that uh, came out just recently last week that does show Norfield did hold its own during the pandemic, despite all of the challenges that we all know um, we faced, the ACT scores came out and Norfield held held flat. I mean, we maintained our average score of around 22 on the ACT uh, while the rest of the nation went down. And so in that case, holding your own when the rest of the nation goes down uh, is certainly uh, something that we're, we can say, all right, we, we were able to maintain that for the class of 2022. Again, not good enough for us yet, uh, but we're certainly pleased that we were able to maintain that performance uh, in a really difficult environment. So there's a lot of data. I also wanted to share that we still do not know the impact of the pandemic. I think there's a, there's a lot of people who uh, make a lot of commentary about what the impact was. If you, Jeff, you and I are people who enjoy history. We know that we don't have the complete story yet. What we're going to do in Northfield is we're going to take this baseline data, we're going to say what's next, and we're going to keep doing good things for kids every day. Yeah, it's going to be a number of years down the road before you get uh, the mm. full impact is realized. I think, yeah, I totally agree on that. And I think mm. that you will see, it if you look at previous historical disruptions, whether it be war, whether it be uh, pandemic, you know, or other kinds of major um, impacts to society, you know, you have this boomerang effect where when you come out of it, there is a period of rapid acceleration. And, and if you just think back to the years after World War II and you think back to the years after World War I, you know, there are some things there where, uh, of course, World War I uh, coinciding with the end of the Spanish flu, right? So we are able to see that history tells us that there should be a, a rapid acceleration. So I, I'm hoping it gets here sooner rather than later. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. You, you had a council meeting last night, our council, a board meeting last night, uh, where you got the, a report of the survey. You gave a report on the uh, survey that was conducted about the high school. Tell us about it. Yes. Dr. Don Lifto uh, from Morris Leatherman. They're a uh, public survey firm uh, out of the Twin Cities that does a variety of different public opinion polling kinds of surveys. 
uh, we contracted with them. We partnered with the city of Northfield uh, to pay for the expense of this. And uh, they did a survey of 400 registered voters uh, between September 22nd and uh, September 29th, specifically to gauge uh, registered voter feedback about uh, the high school facilities, the direction that we need to go with the high school facilities, uh, our athletic facilities, and then also specifically carving out some information around uh, the ice arena. The survey uh, included 43 phone questions, and it took about 10 minutes for each participant, roughly 10 minutes for each participant to complete the survey. Now, what's interesting is you think of people listening think I get all I get those public opinion calls all the time. I can't believe 400 people, you know, actually would answer the phone. It's a great question. And what Morris Leatherman, who has been doing this work for school districts for a long, long time, says is that if they're calling about national or state issues, yes, they do have a little more difficulty getting people to stay on the phone. But when it's about local issues, people are willing to engage. They go to the point of if someone doesn't answer, they leave a message. They explain you know, what they're um, interviewing people about. And they did have about a third of the people who they left messages for call back. So I think that that shows the engagement that Northfield, uh, Northfielders have. And then for statisticians, they always want to know what the margin of error is. And in this particular survey, the margin of error is uh, plus or minus 4.8%. The report was 87 PowerPoint slides long, so clearly we do not have enough time between now and the time Tim McNiff comes on to be able to go through that. Uh, But a couple of different pieces I want um, folks to understand is that we did test some support for uh, the two pathways that we're looking to consider at Northfield High School. Remember, we're not proposing a new building. We're proposing some renovations and then another flavor where you'd construct a new classroom tower, uh, demolish part of the old building, and, and stitch it together as the architect's term. Uh, some improvements to athletic facilities, including you know, the possibility of a field house that would contain four basketball courts, multi-court surface, etc., and then, of course, the ice arena. So when they focus initially on the high school improvement portion, so that's the academic portion of the building, right out of the gate, you know, 62% of the res- of the respondents favored, you know, improvements to the high school at this very general level. Then what happens is they go through and they provide some additional information. So they will say, would it make a difference in your thought process if you knew that, for example, uh, the construction would focus on providing real-world experience and career exploration opportunities for students. That statement, 79% of the people said that that would make them somewhat more likely or much more likely to support uh, a high school question that involved those kinds of things. Other things talked about you know, reduced costs because of uh, better insulation, new windows, LED lighting, things like that. For example, that uh, uh, probe had 73% of the respondents say, yes, I'd be somewhat more likely or much more likely. Uh, so I'm not going to go through all of those. Uh, when it comes to the athletic facilities, um, so uh, one point is that after they go through those probes, Jeff, uh, in that particular question around the high school plant improvements, the uh, initial support raised from 62.5% to 67.3%. So it's clear more than two-thirds of the of the respondents know that we really need to do some uh, important work at the high school. The athletic facility uh, was something that you saw uh, where there was um, some initial support. Again, uh, around 55% of people initially supported the need for athletic improvements like the field house that I mentioned. And then after they had a few statements, which again, I won't go into those statements for in the interest of time, that uh, that um, support raised to 58%. So that's good, right? That we're, we're getting that kind of feedback. The ice cream was a little bit different. The initial support was around 50%. 
They read a few different um, statements about things about what it meant to do uh, work to the ice arena or things that would be Im- impacted by that. That stayed roughly the same, but it actually went down a little bit. So just dipped below 50%, a little bit uh, higher, 48 point something percent uh, within the, you know, certainly not statistically significant. So what we hear is that about half the people uh, surveyed understand that there's a need for some kind of work to be done uh, at the ice arena. Then the next part that we test is we test how much do we think people would be willing to spend? How much additional tax dollars would people be willing to spend? And what it appears is that um, from the survey data, this doesn't this doesn't mean it's perfect, right? But they have a pretty good track record is that uh, respondents said they would support around $135 per year tax increase for the first two parts, for the uh, high school academic improvement component uh, and the uh, athletic facilities improvement component. Then it was also tested around uh, the ice arena part. And so around the ice arena part, the question was uh, whether or not uh, folks would be able to spend, it was about $8 a month uh, to be able to do that. Um, And when we look at that, again, about a dead heat, Jeff, you know, 49% uh, favored, uh, 36% opposed. 15%, 15%, you know, with no opinion at this point. So that's the response on the data. There's a couple of other things that they did survey, which is really great. So they do ask this question that Phi Delta Kappa also has asked, uh, and they this is compared to other school districts. So they ask, you know, would you, uh, the question is, students are often given the grade of A, B, C, D, or fail to denote the, denote the quality of their work. Suppose the Northfield Public Schools were graded in the same way. What grade would you give to the Northfield Public School District? And 83% of the respondents said they would give the Northfield School District an A or B. Only 3% uh, gave grades of D or F. And so uh, we're very grateful to the community for their confidence and support. And just to give you an example on that, uh, Northfield Schools had 36% of the respondents give us an A compared to 20 per, 21% uh, of other Phi Delta Kappa, uh, question, the, looking at other schools across the country, 48% giving us a B compared to 33% uh, across the country. Um, and when we look at having that 1% of people giving us a D, that's compared to 9% across the country, uh, 2% giving us an F. And if you're one of those people, give me a call. I want to talk with you and make sure we can understand what your concerns are compared to 10% giving people their local school district a failing grade. So I think Northfielders can be very proud uh, of the work that they've done uh, here in our school district. All right. I'd like to talk to you more about that sometime, maybe the next time we come in. But I think those topics are going to arise again. They will. The information was going to be used. uh, So we use that down the road. A couple other things I want to talk about from the the, uh, board meeting last night. uh, And that's health insurance. There was a health insurance item on the agenda. Tell us about that. So as everyone knows, our uh, people who listen to the show know that our health insurance program have been really successful for a long time. It still is successful. We're very proud to have a high-quality insurance program to support our uh, employees. It's a real draw for uh, people to work uh, at Northfield School District. Uh, we had a run of 11 years where we didn't have to have a premium increase. And then in 2019, we started to see uh, claims rise pretty significantly. And we were able to use our fund balance in that health insurance uh, fund to be able to mitigate that and try to help make sure we could even it out to the best of our ability. But as we all know, sometimes uh, those kinds of health issues that people have, we're so pleased that the insurance is there for those folks, but it can change uh, the way that the premium structure works. So a year ago, because of a, what would have been a significant increase to our premiums, the board invested uh, about a million dollars, half a million dollars from COVID relief funds and a, mil- a half a million from local um, fund balance to be able to support 
keeping a minimum increase to our premium. That gave us some time to go back out for bids again. We did another bidding process. We looked at going fully insured. We looked at the potential of a pharmacy pharmaceutical carve-out. Uh, Molly Biesemann, our director of HR, the Benefits Advisory Committee, Val Murdestorf, our director of finance, overturned every stone to try to find is there was there a way that we could try to uh, get our premiums back in that uh, stable range and uh, it was determined that our self-funded program is still the best way to go but we did need to reestablish what the district contribution was so the board did approve last night to be able to increase the district contribution to employees health insurance uh, to keep roughly an 80-20 split meaning that we the district pay about 80 percent and then the employee pays about 20%. To be able to reestablish that baseline, that's an investment of about a total of $1.4 million. So that makes last year's investment of $1 million ongoing, and it adds some additional uh, dollars to that. Now, we all know that that's got to come out in the wash somewhere else in the budget. We will work on that, but the board is intent on its support of our people and of our staff. Uh, great staff members, great educators make a great school district. I know our community supports our educators. So as we reestablish this baseline for our health insurance program, I'm really proud of the financial management that we've had that allowed us to do this. We still are going to have to deal with the budget adjustments due to chronic underfunding from the state legislature and declining enrollment. Uh, but this is something that we really needed to make sure we took care of so we can continue to recruit and retain the best educators possible for Northfield students. And lastly, I want to ask you about the uh, capital projects levy. It's going to be on the uh, ballot in just two, two weeks, weeks from, from today. today. Yeah, wow. Uh, anything you'd like to say about that before we, uh, I think it's, I don't know if we we're going to have you on again before that. Well, I was going to joke, there's a capital projects <laughs> levy on that. But no, uh, again, I've talked about the capital projects levy that is on the ballot uh, many times on this radio station. So please, you know, go back to the morning show archives. You can hear me talk about it there. The bottom line is we have two questions on the ballot. One is to renew the existing capital projects levy uh, at the existing tax rate. And we we've been under levying that for a long time or we won't under levy that moving forward but the first one is a renewal and the second one is a modest expansion again it helps us support making sure we have the uh, materials and equipment to support student learning it allows us to maintain and improve our buildings and grounds and it will help our general fund which we've talked about many times by being able to recode our computer technicians from the general fund to this capital projects levy about a half a million dollars relief uh, to the general fund this is important for our schools we just want our voters to be informed we've given Quite a few presentations throughout the system. Um, we'll be doing one today for Community Education Advisory Council. We have another PTO coming up. If you have a group that you'd like me, coffee club, whatever, or you want me to come and talk to you about it before Election Day, I'd be happy to do that. We just want you to be informed. Check out the district's website. Listen to the KYMN Radio Archives. Again, this is an important renewal of a levy uh, and a modest expansion. Fairly economical compared to all of the other things that we have to ask uh, voters for. For a $350,000 home, uh, it's an $81 increase for the year, uh, $6.75 per month. So uh, we have appreciated the community support uh, in the past, and we just want to make sure that people are informed and uh, so that they can make whatever vote they need to make for themselves on Election Day. Superintendent Hillman, thank you so much for joining us. Much it is my pleasure, Jeff. Thank and you. We'll uh, talk to you again, and uh, I'm not sure if we'll talk to you before the levy or afterwards, but I'm uh, sure <laughs> we'll be talking soon. Take care. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080 KYMN. Rich is coming up next with local headlines.
The team at Whit Brothers Auto Care would like to thank Northfield and the surrounding communities for naming them 2022's Best Auto Repair Shop. Stop down to 701 Division Street and visit the staff at Whit Brothers, nominated as the best mechanics in southern Minnesota, to make sure your vehicle is ready for all of your summer travel plans. Visit Whit Brothers in downtown Northfield to make sure you get the best service for all of your automotive, maintenance, and 